Hey, Todd. How's it going? Good. <laughs> Prague was good, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of fun. It's a cool city. Yeah. Very. Yummy food. <laughs> Not really. Oh, I loved it. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could pass. Fatty duck and bready dumplings. <sighs> mm. I was I was really glad to get back to some flavor. <laughs> Fat is flavor, Dr. Sewell. Spice. You mean what, this is classic New Mexican? What, what you really mean when you say flavor is green chili. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. All right, let's uh, let's talk about perfectionism. Perfectionism. Would you ever describe yourself as a perfectionist? Um, in some context, yes. Uh, in some context, okay. no. Like yeah. what? Give me an example of where I'd be a perfectionist. Yeah. When I do um, workouts, I can't cheat. It drives me crazy. Oh, so if you say you're going to do ten reps, like it's you, 10. you do ten reps, or yeah. if I if I like I was doing this last night with kettlebells and I was doing kind of full cleans and like I, I tap the kettlebell on the floor almost to really say I'm, I'm picking it up from the ground. Oh. Hmm. And so there are moments sometimes where you, where you do the movement, but you don't quite get that kettlebell on the ground. And then you start and you're like, ah, got to hit the ground. When you go to the gym and you see guys doing bicep curls and they're like, they're going like 10 degrees down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or they're swinging their whole yeah. body back and forth to like get the weight up. Yeah, yeah. So there's things like that where, okay. I mean, I'll I will do I'll redo a a rep. Oh, interesting. Okay, so what happens? Like, let's say you cheat, like you don't go all the way yeah. down to the ground. Yeah. What what happens internally for you? There's a two second conversation. Well, where I say, well, that was pretty close, <laughs> <laughs> and then I say. And that's not good enough. Oh. And so let's just redo it because it'll eat at me all. How do you feel? Yeah, you say it's going to eat at you. What's that? That's a metaphor for I feel what? like I cheated. I feel like I got away so from something. So guilty? You know? Yeah, a little guilty little or mm. a little lazy. Because I, I, I don't think that's it was wrong, but I Is, just feel like, ah, eh, that was a little lazy. What's the emotion associated with lazy for you? Uh, disappointment. Maybe. Oh. Like disappointed hmm. in myself, okay. maybe. Like I, I don't want to. I don't want to be that guy. I don't mm-hmm. want to. Because I will. I will. I will go home from the gym and I'll lay in bed and I'll be like, Mm. <laughs> you know, two of those reps weren't good. Mm. You know, interesting. Like, yeah, it'll bug me. Okay, yeah, huh. yeah. And so that's one context. Um, but like in other areas, like, uh, yeah, I don't need to mm. be. You know what I noticed this a lot was with teachers. Um, I had a job in an office where we had an employee assistance program, and and with the school district, and teachers I noticed had unbelievable levels of perfectionistic kind of ideals. Hmm. Um, it was really brutal. And, and my theory um, was that it was academics that did it to them. You know, they, they were, these were, these are people who love school oh. and they really enjoyed school for a reason. They were mm-hmm. good at it, you know, and, and all through their careers, they were really good at school. And then when they got into college, they were really good in college and they get a lot of hundred percents and they get a lot of A's. And then, when they actually get in the classroom and kids are unruly and there's no getting A's when you're teaching middle school students and the principal is not giving you a hundred percent. She's coming by saying, Hey, you need to work on classroom management and you need to do this. I mean, I saw teachers just completely fall apart because this was like the first time in their lives they'd ever received 
critical feedback. Mm. And mm. and they just weren't used to it, you know? Okay, now do you think, um, I, I have also noticed that, by the way. What, teachers? <laughs> teachers are by far the most represented profession in therapy among yeah, my clients. I think so. Um, yeah. And I don't know that I've had, yeah, perfectionism is a, a very common I, denominator. Yeah, if you think about it, there's I mean, there's 20-something years of A-pluses there. And... Um, I think it's really hard for a lot of teachers. Or at to, least the expectation that A plus is normal. Like that's what you should yeah, be Yeah, or I should be there. Yeah, or it's achievable. Yeah. You know, I can do the... So, yeah, it's a brutal... Mm. I, I see a lot of... When I, when I hear perfectionism now, I think of teachers. So do you think of perfectionism as a, um, what psychologists would say, domain-specific thing? Like are they... Do you think these people are just perfectionistic when it comes to their work or do they tend to be kind of a perfectionist at the gym and yeah, this, the, this is, this is like a, a guiding principle for their lives. Yeah. It's not just a, hmm. when I think of perfectionism, I don't think of domain specific things. So maybe that's a, a you, everyone can be a little perfectionistic in right. certain areas right. uh, maybe, but for capital P perfectionism right. implies that it's a pervasive pretty global. Yeah. 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 It cuts across a lot of different areas and yeah. parts of your life. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the, how would we define perfectionism specifically? Just, I think most people think perfectionism, super high standards. Is that about right? Is that mm, off? No, I think it's a little bit more extreme than that. And I think my definition would be more around the unwillingness to accept some imperfection. Um, hmm. um, yeah, it's not only an obsession with doing well, it's, it's, it's the I can't tolerate mm. not doing well. You know, mm. it's, that's, that's the bigger issue. Because as long as they're in that A range, they seem to be okay. But the minute that A drops to a B, now we're now we're we are not okay. Mm. Things rules have been violated that need to be accounted for. Yeah, when, when so when people describe not being okay, what's what do they what do they describe? What's it like for perfectionists? Like symptom wise, what would that look like? Mm-hmm. How do a they lot feel? Of like what are they rumination, worry, kinds of behavior, um, irritability, anger. Oh, is that hmm. what you're looking for? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm just, what's it like being a perfectionist? I guess. Oh, yeah, I, pretty brutal. I mean, because I, I think it's it's one of these terms people we we all throw around a lot. Perfectionist, um, so like depression or you know mm-hmm. trauma. We talked about trauma a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah, I think if you're truly a perfectionist, um, imperfection is kind of anxiety or depression or depression provoking. Mm depending on which way you fall there. So this is interesting. This, I think one of my biggest um, pet peeves about depre- or about um, perfectionism and how people talk about it is mm-hmm. that I think most people are under the assumption that uh, perfectionism is about ach- achieve what you achieve. Like I have to get, mm-hmm. I have to get A's, I have to get all A's, or I have to be the best one in the office. But what you're suggesting is that it's really about how do you feel when you don't. I, I don't, hit that mark. I don't know many perfectionists who come into my office and throw me a high five because they got great scores. <laughs> it, that doesn't really make them happy. Right. It, it's the it's the opposite of when they're you know when their performance is less than what they expected. It it the imperfection hurts more, way more than the perfection is mm. satisfying. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Yeah. But it's about, but again, this, this, the misconception is it's not about what you do or what you achieve. It's about how you feel. Oh, right, 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 right. It's, it's all about the anxiety. Yeah. And the people, frustration. And people yeah. with, um, who suffer from perfectionism, 
they feel disproportionately bad when they don't meet their standards. It's right. not necessarily that they have higher or lower standards than anyone else. Right. It's more about how they feel when they don't hit whatever mark they think they ought to hit. Yeah, when their expectation for their performance doesn't doesn't meet their standard, no matter what that standard mm-hmm. is. Yeah, that's the brutal part. But the funny part to me is when they do hit the standard, it's not like this super joyous occasion. Right. It, it tends to be just like, meh, that's, that's what I thought. Would you go so far as to say most perfectionists even have kind of a blunted pleasure response to definitely hitting their standards yeah yeah you know i i've had teachers you know who are my clients for years and they'll never once come in and tell me about an evaluation where they got perfect scores all the way across Mm. but i will hear endlessly about the one the one the one where they were like below average on something right and they feel so insulted Mm. and so enraged yeah how does, so you sort of alluded to it a little bit um, with teachers specifically, but in general, how do you think, per, where does perfectionism come from? Hmm. Like, how does that happen? Why are some people like this? Um, I, I think that there are contexts in which you can somehow learn that being perfect, getting great scores is what life's all about. Um, or, or that's the thing. Wait, that, is, is it not? <laughs> <laughs> I use this example a lot when I when I teach. Um, but l- let me give you a short example. Okay. That's okay. Let's say we have a little girl. She's ten years old. Mom's a raging alcoholic. Kind of dad left a long time ago. Mom single mom drinks a lot though, and and is kind of on the couch asleep a lot. Right. Okay. Well, this little girl kind of figures out if I'm going to go to school, I got to get myself up. I got to dress myself, do my own laundry. I got to get to school. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Well, at school, she's pretty, she's decent. She's bright, you know, she does her homework. And uh, let's say her first six weeks of first grade, she gets straight A's. And her teacher's really sweet. Her teacher's like, oh my God, look what you did. She gives her a hug. Mm-hmm. She kind of says, that's that's awesome. You know, we should look at getting you this book or that book or, you know. And, and this little girl's like, holy cow, this is the most attention she's gotten in a long, long mm-hmm. time. And then she goes home and she tells her mom, I got straight A's. And mom, even in her fog, is able to sit up and go, holy cow, that's pretty cool. Gives her a hug. And this little girl now has been reinforced. Maybe, you know, she might put it together. I've been, I get love when I'm perfect. And I get straight A's. Mm-hmm. Then I get what I need, right? And so then she's she's ready to go back to school the next day. She's like, holy hell, you know, if I get straight A's again, mm-hmm. I get hugs from teachers. I get hugs from parents. I get, and this is like the most attention she gets. So I think, somehow these Mm. ideals are reinforced in someone's life somewhere, somehow the idea that perfection is the, is the only thing that's going to get you what you need depending on whatever's motivating you. I think that's how it gets kind of set. So you learn that early on and then it sort of just perpetuates. Yeah. And and, you know, thank God for this little student because she's got years and years of school left, which is a a place where she can get perfect scores and Mm. A pluses and lots of reinforcement for doing really well. Mm just so happens when college stops or, or when school stops, there's not, not a lot of context for being perfect anymore where it's, right. where it's possible to be perfect anymore. Mm-hmm. So you get a job and your, your boss isn't coming by going, Hey, you did that perfectly. He just kind of assumes you're going to do your job and that's going to be perfect basically. Right. So you're not getting pats on the back and you're going to encounter lots of situations you've never seen before. So you're going to mess some things up and it just gets brutal once school ends, I think. Mm for a lot of perfectionists. So for perfectionism to occur, is it is it just that you learn that being um, 
being perfect gets you a lot of something good or like in your example you, you specifically gave the example of someone who their baseline is a compared to normal is a significant lack of attention and right and that, and that love example, and yeah um so is do you think that's a necessary prerequisite somehow that you have a, a sort of a a, a, a lack of something a, a need that then not only does the striving per, for perfection get you some positive thing, but it, it helps fill in this really significant deficit. I mean, that's one way, but another way might be someone who has a brutal parent who doesn't bring home a report card and just get a straight A report card and gets beat for it. Mm -hmm. And so they're so motivated to not, you know, be punished for, you know, imperfection that, that they're going to, they're going to strive for perfection now out of fear and anxiety. And so there's lots of different, but but can you let's just say you have a very normal healthy environment growing up lots of people who love and care about you lots of good healthy praise and encouragement but you have this one teacher who just goes over the top to praise you when you get a pluses mm-hmm. can you still develop perfectionism in that context sure. i guess that's what i'm asking like do you need extreme situations no i don't for, think you need extreme situations no. there's there's many many ways to there are many pathways mm-hmm. to there um i don't i don't think you need anything hmm. other than a mind that starts latching onto the wrong cues, I guess. So you, you just need to learn and be reinforced heavily for striving for perfection. Yeah, reinforce yourself. I mean, it doesn't even require, I don't think, anybody on the outside. You might just be, it might hmm. be just your self-talk, you know, that, that kind of emphasizes different, the wrong parts of those equations, you know, and you start becoming more fixated mm-hmm. on perfection and or more fixated on failure. I think it's more of a fixation on failure. Yeah. The avoidance of failure than, than it is on achieving success. Yeah. yeah. It seems to be more about avoiding looking bad than it is about that perfection. Yeah. I've often found as much as perfectionists use people who struggle with this use terms like, um, you know, I have to do it right. I have to get a perfect score. I have to, it's in their mind, it really, it feels more like a pass fail situation. Like yeah. it's either they barely pass or <laughs> it, it's all failure or they just pass. 99% is an F, right. you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So that's, that kind of, I think describes perfectionism and maybe where it comes from. Um, how do you, how do you help people work through perfectionism? Like when they show up for therapy and that's one of their big concerns, like what, what's kind of a way you would approach that? Um, well, well, the the, percep- the the perfectionist mindset is really akin to a lot of um, maladaptive thoughts that you see in depression um, or anxiety. So I usually attack it through something like that. Through so kind of, the way the way they talk to themselves. Yeah, you know your your you know your um, your being unable to tolerate um, imperfection. Is, is problematic in, in, in this way. It sets you up for depression, basically. Um, because so little is perfect in the world that you're going to be continually disappointed um, by imperfection. So how do we increase your tolerance of imperfection? Mm-hmm. And, and then and, and a lot of like, what are you missing out on? You know, uh, there's a lot of talk about how, how is this hurting you, you know? And, and, and a lot of people who are really struggled with this a long time, they're, they're kind of aware um, and really driving that home seems to be pretty helpful. Wait, but they're perfect. They're high achievers. They get stuff done. They get A pluses on everything. Um, what could they possibly be missing out on? Well, they're, they're seeing more and more that they can't get that hundred percent mark. 
you know, they're not getting it and it's just not available. I mean, I've, I've had many a conversation with people who are, um, you know, they'll almost say, I just, I almost want to go back to school. You know, I, I just want to go to, I, I need to find a place where I can do perfect. They even look for jobs that'll allow them mm. to hit certain numbers or, um, yeah, improve certain test scores or oh, whatever it is. My kind of prototypical perfectionism client looks a little bit more like they often do a basically perfect job. They they, they achieve these insane mm-hmm. um, benchmarks, but they are they live in perpetual fear that this might be the one time <laughs> right. that they only get an A instead of an A plus. Right. And or they they spend five times as long as their peers uh getting, you know, working to get that to hit that goal. You right. know, so if they if they've got a stack of papers to grade using the, the teacher not to <laughs> right, right, <laughs> over index right. on teachers, but um they, you know, an, an your average teacher goes through each paper once and gets through a paper in, you know, five minutes, right? Right. My client will double and triple check every single paper. Right. And it, it'll take them eight hours to go through what most people are going through in two hours. Right. Right. Have, and so yeah. that that discussion of opportunity cost, like that's a whole that's six hours, you know, on a, you know, couple times a week. That's like twelve, you know, twelve hours a week. What could you be doing? What if I said, "Here's an extra twelve hours a week"? <laughs> right, right. You know, like what could you be doing with that? What a gift! And that tends to be a kind of it can be a sort of motivating conversation, like really highlighting yeah. Yeah. what they're giving up. Yeah, that, that's the kind of cost. Like, how is this costing right. you? And 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 usually about the time I'm seeing them, they're they're recognizing those costs. Usually, they're, they're starting to realize, like, man, I I have a problem here. You know, I it, it, it I mean, it, it really is. You know, I've got a, um, I had an attorney who was kind of a perfectionist and, and it was the same thing of what you're saying. I mean, for him to write a uh, motion would take four times as long as it would take the person down the hall, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and he was noticing not only am I, am I killing myself to write this motion? Um, I can't bill the client for four hours of writing a motion that should have took me one, oh. you know? And so mm-hmm. he's like, I'm losing money like crazy too, having these perfectionistic kind of tendencies. Um, it's not working for me, mm-hmm. you know? And then, you know, maybe boss says something like, why is it taking you four hours? And, th- and then they feel like a double failure because now they're not doing the motion to their, you know, he's not writing the motion to his, up to his speed mm-hmm. and his boss isn't happy with the mm-hmm. way he's writing a motion. So it, it, this tends to kind of domino, have a domino effect. Sometimes. Which then is probably going to make him even more concerned that he right. do it right the next time. Gotta, I got to really get that done yeah. and, or do it fast. And, and then, and then when they do it fast, they're like, Oh, I got to go over that. And, mm-hmm. and they're stuck in the spiral. Yeah. Of, yeah. How about you? You alluded to this idea initially, um, this idea of building up a, better tolerance for imperfection. Mm-hmm. And that's that's often an angle I go at with with people with perfectionism is to really zoom in on what are you feeling emotionally when you don't hit perfection. Right. And to to zoom in on that and say like, huh, okay, so you feel really guilty when you, you know, when you only read over a paper once instead of triple checking it. Okay, like I get that. Um what if you just felt, what if you just didn't do anything about that Yeah, and kind of allowed yourself to feel guilty for a little while? What uh, would happen? Like what, you know, what's going to happen? Yeah. And so build, I think building up tolerance, I mean, yeah, you're building up tolerance to imperfection, but not just the concept of imperfection, but really specifically to this 
you've learned, your body's created this habitual response of, you know, injecting you with a whole bunch of guilt yeah. every time you don't hit perfection. What if, you know, what if you could really build up a thicker skin to that emotion, to that feeling? Yeah. So that you could say, well, yeah, you know, I feel guilty, but I'm, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go for a run instead okay. of double yeah. checking all this yeah. paper, even well, though I feel advantage, guilty. Like you can, you can check those papers, you know, all over again, or you could go out and enjoy some time with your family. And, yeah. Yeah. But I think centering the conversation around, um, around emotions specifically mm-hmm. in perfectionism and like, what does it mean that you feel guilty when you don't yeah. triple check it? Like people what is are it? compelled to do stuff when they feel guilty or anxious yeah, or because I think because they assume because I feel guilty I must be guilty right something's wrong which it does not yeah. always hold up you can feel all sorts of things <laughs> without that lining up with reality isn't that funny <laughs> yeah but it's, it's something we don't stop and consider enough you know like it's like we feel afraid and we just assume there's something truly threatening going yeah. on but you can you can feel afraid for all sorts of reasons that don't involve an actual threat right. yeah at all you, you feel afraid when your kid jumps around in the corner and surprises you at, at in the kitchen. Right. Doesn't mean there's a threat, <laughs> no. you know. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So th- that is a funny, a uh, funny concept. And and there's there's beauty to it too. So I, I you know, I, I do the same thing. Can you do nothing about this? Is it okay? Can we just tolerate feeling guilty? The other thing I, I try to have conversations with my clients is about how do, how can you like actively appreciate imperfection? How do how can you oh, really um, <laughs> identify beauty and um, and value imperfection too. Actively value it. How can something be beautiful if it's not perfect? Todd? I have this very cheesy session that yes. I've designed around right. it. Let me let me have it. We we look at art for a while. Oh. And I have a way of, of presenting different. I'll, I'll get on the computer that my client will sit next to me, and I and I have this slideshow that I, if you want it, I'll give it to you. But oh. it walks through um, sketches of like uh, Rembrandt. Mm-hmm. And um, Da Vinci, and shows some of the, how mathematically formulated those paintings are, mm-hmm. right? How everything's on perfect angles, and how everything looks real and is done to look real, and it's beautiful. And mm-hmm. we we all love that kind of art, I think. Um, but then the slides start going into the modern art kind of era, where Monet and Van Gogh and all these people who are not drawing things perfectly at all. <laughs> Um, still render these very beautiful pieces of artwork. And most people can appreciate all forms uh, of art. And so you, they, they start to get the idea of like, oh, yeah, you're right. You know, it doesn't have to be perfectly constructed technical perfection. to be great and mm. to be wonderful and to be, and, and we can, and then we usually, then I'll start adapting it to whatever they struggle with yeah. personally. Can you That's appreciate great. these things? And not, not only actively just tolerate imperfection, but actually really learn to enjoy yeah. it and love it, you know, as, as unique features of moments of time or whatever it is. So that is really cool. Actually. I don't think that's cheesy at all. I it's think a, that's it's awesome. A, it's a fun session. Yeah. yeah. I like doing it when it, when it comes around and huh. it's, and it's pertinent. Yeah. But I think actively moving towards imperfection and embracing it can be a little bit, um, it can, it can kind of prevent some relapse issues. Mm-hmm. I think if you, if you go that far. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. All right. Perfectionism. There you go. Hey everyone, Nick and I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please rate us on iTunes if you get a chance. And if you have any feedback or comments for us, that'd be great as well. 
And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the podcast, let us know in the comment section as well. Thanks.